One day, a man locked himself out of his house. I don't know if anyone here can relate to that. And so what do you do when you lock yourself out of the house and you have no one to call? He called a locksmith. The locksmith came over, did his thing, and let him back in his house. And afterward, the locksmith explained this. He said, locks are only on doors to keep honest people honest. He said, 1% of people will always be honest and never steal, and another 1% will always be dishonest and always steal. And so they'll try to break into your house and steal your television, and there's nothing you can ever do. No lock's going to keep that 1% out from breaking into your house and stealing your stuff. But he said, most people are not 100% honest, nor are they 100% dishonest. The locksmith said that most people are in the middle. And he said, locks are on your house to protect you from the 98% of the mostly honest people who might be tempted to try your door if it had no lock. That is the story that is in an upcoming book by a man named Dan Erling, and the book's called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. How we lie to everyone, especially ourselves. He's a professor at Duke University. He's a professor of behavioral economics, and his research shoots down this notion. His research basically shoots down the notion that people are either honest or dishonest. We tend to think of people in this society, they're completely honest or they're completely dishonest. He's, his research just totally shoots down that notion. And, so, and he concludes that, yes, there may be these outliers of honest people all the time or dishonest people all the time. But he concludes that most of the people on this earth, in this room, have the capacity to be dishonest just a little. All of us. And in his research, what he says is that it's not this huge dishonesty that corrupts society. It's not the big, bold-faced lies that lead to the corrosion of society. His argument is it's just that little lying that is widespread that leads to the corrosion of society. It can be corrosive in your own personal life. It can be corrosive in your relationships. It can be corrosive in your relationship before God. And as we are here this morning as the people of God, we want to be people of truth. We want to believe the truth in our hearts. We want to speak the truth to others. And we ultimately want to be living the truth before a holy God who is truth. And what we're going to see this morning as we go through the book of Proverbs, we're going to see what the Word of God has to say concerning truth and lies. And as we're in Proverbs, we're not in one single passage that would make it much easier to go through the passage, but Proverbs is a variety of isolated verses. And so the truth and lies in Proverbs is all over the place, so that way we have to cover a lot of verses. And so hopefully they'll be up on the screen. But as we cover the variety of texts, we're going to fall under three different categories, some broad categories to keep us organized. The first category is self-perception. The second one is other perception. And the third one 
is God perception. If you are going to grow as a Christian, you need to start being honest with what's going on in yourself. If you're going to grow as a Christian, you have to be honest with other people and not lie. And ultimately, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, you can be honest before him. So rather than experiencing this corrosive effects of dishonesty, we can experience this healing effects of the truth. And that's where we're going. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get into the truth of God's word. So let's go for it. Number one, self-perception. Do you, my friends, hello, I see you, do you believe that you have the capacity to lie to yourself? Do you have the capacity to lie to yourself? It, it may sound completely ridiculous, but you can trick and deceive yourself. You, you know how when your friends try to play a trick on you, they come up and they tap you on one shoulder, but you, they go to the other side, but you end up turning around and no one's there? And they're like, uh, oh, there you are. That was a really funny trick. Well, did you know? <laughs> you can actually do that to yourself. You can tap yourself on this shoulder and turn around and wonder who did that. You have the capacity to trick yourself, to deceive yourself, and to lie to yourself. And if you do not understand that capacity you're going to have a lot of problems in life. The Bible is very clear on this self-deception ability. For example, Proverbs 3.7. Proverbs 3.7 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. To be wise in your own eyes is assume that you are always right and never wrong. Is there anyone in here who thinks they are always right and never wrong? Yeah. Be not wise in your own eyes. If you're that kind of person that has life all figured out, you're never wrong, then you are self-deceived. No matter if your, get this, no matter if your heart tells you that you're right, you can still be wrong. Proverbs 16.2, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. So your heart has the capacity to think that you're on the right track, but the Lord really knows what's going on. He sees your heart, he sees your true motives, and he sees where you're off. And if you say that you are never wrong and you assume that you are always right, you may actually fall into the category of a fool. And you don't want to be a fool, according to the Bible. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. If you are a fool, you are likely shutting out the advice of others. You're shutting out the voices of others and ultimately shutting out the voice of God because you do not want to be corrected. You always want to be right. You do not believe you'd lie and deceive yourself. Now, for this morning, I thought we would do something kind of fun. Might not be fun for you, but it's a lot of fun for me. (laughs) And if you're a visitor here this morning... I'm I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to those who regularly go to this church. I want to give three categories on the way I think that people at Evanston Bible Fellowship deceive themselves. All right? Here is the way you deceive yourself. I mean, there could be a hundred ways you deceive yourself as an individual, but collectively, we have a lot of this in common. Like I said, if you're a visitor here this morning, if you hang around us enough, you'll start doing these things too. All right, three ways that we deceive ourselves. 
Number one, busyness is no big deal. Have you ever said that? It's no big deal that I'm busy. And I'm not talking about working hard, being responsible, being disciplined. But some of you have crossed that line and you have filled your schedules with so much stuff that maybe it's starting to affect your health. You're letting yourself go. Or maybe it's starting to affect your relationships with your friendships and your family. You're just so busy. You're not there when you're there. And maybe it's even affecting your relationship with God. I mean, really, when's the last time you've actually had a Sabbath rest? When's the last time you've spent time in the Bible and prayer where you were just quiet and alone? I think many of us deceive ourselves and trick ourselves and say, well, busyness is really no big deal. And yet it is. Well, another way that I think people at EBF deceive and trick themselves is number two. Fellowship is optional. Fellowship is optional. This may come out of the first one. You're just so busy, you know. You've got a lot going on. So being around other believers, it's kind of optional. And the Christian life really is just about you and Jesus because you and Jesus can handle anything. And so other people, uh, I'll hang out with him if I have, if I have time. But if I have to study, I'm not going to hang out with him. And sometimes I just need some downtime or some me time. I mean, how many times have you avoided fellowship with other people because you need some me time? When actually you may need to be around other people so they can encourage you and speak truth in your life. But one of the ways at our church that we deceive ourselves, we say fellowship is optional. And the last way I think people in our church deceive themselves is number three. Smarter than most equals wiser than most. You think because you're smart, and you are, I know you are, many of you are working on great degrees or you have several degrees, and you may think, well, since I'm smarter than most of the people in the world, then I must be wiser than most people in the world. But there's no connection there between being really smart and being really wise because you can be really smart and really stupid in your foolish decisions. So maybe you're deceiving yourself. You say, more knowledge, more degrees, more wisdom. Don't go together. What I'm trying to get you to see is I don't want you to trust yourself. Not in a negative way, not always doubting your decisions, but I think there should be a healthy distrust of self where we can actually say, you know, I may be wrong. When's the last time you said that to yourself? When's the last time you said, you know, I may be wrong? If we have this healthy distrust of ourselves, then we can go to the Word of God and say, God, I may be off. Speak truth to me. I'm ready to listen. If we have a healthy distrust of self, we can go to the Lord in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, convict me. Show me where I'm off. Give me the truth. And if you want to take it to another degree, you can go up to some brothers and sisters and say, Look, I may be off. Can you help me? Can you give me some wisdom? 
Because if we do not get to a point where we have a healthy distrust of self, where we're looking for truth to break us out of these self-deceptive lies, then how are we going to treat other people? How are we going to view other people? What's going to be our perception of others? So I think we need to start by saying, okay, I may be off, and I may need truth outside of myself. So once we have this healthy perception of ourselves, then we can start to view others, and when our words come out toward them, they can be truthful words. Point two, other perception. How do we perceive others? Have you ever lied to someone else? If you say no, then you just lied to me. So that was your first lie. I mean, we all have lied to other people. The question is, when you lie to someone else, what, what is your perception of them? And it usually goes something like this. You have a high view of yourself and a low view of others. When you lie to other people, you have a high view of yourself and a low view of others. Proverbs 26, 28 Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. When you are lying to other people, you are disrespecting them, and the Bible says you are showing hatred toward them. And it's interesting that these people are called victims because lying to them is like an attack. When someone has lied to you and you know they've lied to you, doesn't it feel like they just totally attacked you? You know what it feels like to be lied to. Well, the Bible gets even more graphic on this victim and attack language. Proverbs 25, 18. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. This false witness is like violating the ninth commandment about bearing false witness. Now, notice in this verse that the assault weapons of a warrior... Bruce Walkie says, basically, when you are lying to someone, it's like using a club to beat their brains out, taking a, a, a sword and thrusting them through, and then finishing them off with a sharp arrow. It's some pretty brutal and violent language in the Bible, how it's an attack upon someone else. And it's attack because you have a high view of yourself and a low view of of others. So what I'm going to do now is kind of just do three reasons what this lying looks like. Because I don't just like to say, don't lie, don't lie. Well, let's try to figure out why you might lie in the first place. What are some reasons you would give on why you would lie? I'm going to give you three. Number one, maybe you lie to avoid punishment. Kids do this all the time. They lie to their teachers. They lie to their parents because they don't want to get in trouble. Guess what? Those kids grow up. And now the big kids in here do a lot of the same things. We lie because we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to get punished. Proverbs twelve seventeen. 
Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Now, in the setting here is a courtroom, obviously, about speaking a line with reality, not distorting reality, speaking the truth because you don't want to get punished. And some of you have been in courtrooms, and some of you may be in courtrooms soon, and you want to speak the truth. But most of you, you're not going to be in the courtroom this week speaking the truth. But a lot of you will be at work. And did you know that a lot of lying happens at work on a daily basis? There's this, this article in Bloomberg called The Lies We Tell at Work. And it says that a lot of the lies that we tell at work are just to cover ourselves. We didn't do something or we didn't want to do something and someone asks us if we did it, someone like a boss, and we create a lie to cover it up, to cover ourselves. So if we didn't do something, we'll say something like, oh, you know, I, I was stuck in rush hour, like an extra hour, and I didn't have time to do it. Or, oh, oh, that thing? Well, I never got the email. Or it's, it's someone else is supposed to do it, or someone else messed it up. So if we're called on something, we don't want to be punished. And so since we have a high view of self and a low view of others, in order to not be punished, we may lie and do it often. And you know the workplace is filled with it. Well, another reason we may lie, and this is a really good one, I hope you can stick with me on this one, but you may lie and I may lie to cover up negative feelings. Perhaps you're trying to conceal a, a negative emotion from someone else. Very powerful proverb in Proverbs 10:18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Let me explain this a little bit. This is a verse that has great application maybe in a relationship you have with someone that's really close, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe in your marriage. Now get this. Has it ever happened in your dating relationship or has it ever happened in your marriage where your spouse asks you the question, is there anything wrong? Are you okay? Is there anything you want to tell me? And you say, no. I'm fine. Everything's okay, but inside you have anger issues, you have maybe hatred issues, and when you're asked, is everything okay between us, and you say yes, you are concealing hate. Now, what are you supposed to do? When someone asks you in your marriage or your relationship, are you okay, you're not supposed to say, no, I'm not, okay? I hate you so much. <laughs> That's not what the Bible's getting at right there. The Bible is basically saying, look, if you got that in your heart, you need to deal with that before God. If you got that in your heart, you need to talk with the other person and work things out. But it's not like concealing hatred or expressing hatred the Bible wants us to deal with hatred. Deal with it. But don't lie to cover it up. Deal with it. And the last reason we may lie is to gain a financial edge. It's often greed, isn't it? 
We often lie for reasons of greed. Proverbs 21.6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. And all we all know, there are plenty of opportunities where we can lie so we can come out ahead financially. Obviously, tax season's over with. Can I see a show of hands for those of you who lied on your taxes? Okay, no. I mean, mean, there's a temptation there. And for those of you where it's appropriate, how many of you are tempted to, to lie on your billable hours or to lie on your insurance claim? And I think the number one temptation that many of you are going to face right now is to lie on your resume. You better change that thing right now. You're so busted. Where did you inflate your bio or your resume to land the job? And you think, well, I'll get away with it. Maybe you will temporarily. But it's amazing how many people who lie on their resume, it turns back on them eventually. I've, for example, the, the, the former CEO of Yahoo put a false degree on his, on his bio, and boom, he's gone. A Food Network host replaced he, he, because he was replaced because he said that he served presidents and the royal family wasn't true. He was gone. A Yale football coach was out after lying about being a candidate for a reward. I like this one. Dean of admissions at MIT left after 28 years because she put false degrees on her resume. And the Radio Shack CEO, gone, false degrees as well. I don't know what you're putting down there, but let it represent who you are. And let that stand whether you get the job or not. Don't lie just to get the job and to come out financially. So there's a lot of reasons we may lie. There's probably a hundred more. But it often derives from a heart. Get it? Again, comes from a heart. High view of self, low view of others. And don't you kind of wonder, where's God? If you're lying to yourself, if you're lying to others, like, what's your view of God? What's does he think about all this? What's your perception of God? So let's turn to the third point, perception of God, God perception. What is your view of God? Proverbs 35, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Isn't that amazing? God does not lie to you. God will never lie to you. It's not in his character. Finally, we have someone that will tell us the truth every single time. God will never lie to you. He always will speak truth to you from his word. And since God never lies, guess what? God hates lies. He hates them. The Bible's really strong about how he hates lies. Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. So those who lie, abomination. Abomination is not a good word. It means that God has this strong hatred toward lying. And I'm, it, okay, here's my job. My job is just to tell you this, and you can do whatever you want, all right? So if I don't tell you the truth, then I'm, I'm accountable to God. But if I lie to you, I'm not going to lie, okay? So here's the deal. I don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this. God hates lying so much. I'm not lying here. The Bible says that liars go to hell. 
It really does. Proverbs, uh, no proverb, Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, <clears throat> their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, if you know that in our culture, if you ever watch TV or, or movies, you know from our culture that for sure, sorcerers and murderers go to hell. If you ask him down the street, sorcerers go to hell, yep, they go to hell. Murderers go to hell, yep, going to hell. Now, within the church, maybe we have more sophisticated categories, and we say, okay, from this verse, for sure, the sexually immoral and the idolaters will be left out of heaven, and they will go to hell. So we, they have categories, we have categories. But what about liars? Well, no one wants to send liars to hell. And no one wants to send liars to hell because the problem is, is that we're all liars. And if we end up sending liars to hell, then guess what? We just send ourselves to hell. We don't want to do that. But the Bible is very clear, and it says liars go to hell. <laughs> you can't speak enough truth. You can't do enough good. Liars go to hell. But there is a way out. And the way out is, get this, you have to find someone who has never lied to represent you as the truth before a holy God in heaven. You see, God's holy, he speaks truth, and he can't have liars in his presence. But he says, you know what, I'll let you come into my presence if you can find someone who has never lied to be truth for you. And the way God set it up is that he sent someone like that. And his name is Jesus, and he came to this earth, and he never lied. And the Bible actually says that Jesus is the truth. But he was killed. He was killed on the cross, and he was actually dying on the cross because of liars and taking God's wrath because of our lies. And he was buried, and he, and he rose again. And now the gospel message is that all liars, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how many lies that you've told, can actually stand in the presence of God through faith in the truthful one, Jesus Christ. How can liars go to heaven? Through repentance and faith in the truthful one, Jesus Christ, who represents us before the Father as the truth. But if you've really done that, if you have repented and trusted in Christ, the truthful one, something happens inside of you. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you, and you start to hate lies. You don't want to lie. You feel convicted about lying, and you want to start telling the truth because you may see the benefits of the truth in this life and for sure in the next. And so something happens within you. So I think it'd be wise to finish up with, hey, let me give you some good reasons to tell the truth because you want to, not because you're just trying to avoid hell. It's because someone has rescued you, the truthful one, Jesus. Now you want to tell the truth. So let me give you some reasons to tell the truth. Number one, truth will endure forever. Proverbs twelve nineteen. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Isn't that true? A lying tongue is just for a moment. Lying will get you out of temporary fixes but it doesn't last. 
But when you speak the truth, that truth lasts forever. And it may cost you. If you speak the truth, if you go out of here today and some of you decide that you're going to speak the truth, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you, you are going to have some temporary problems. If you decide that today you want to start speaking the truth, you may have to say something you don't want to say, but it's the truth, and you may get a cut in your pay. And some of you may get fired. But the truth will last forever. Some of you need to speak the truth to someone very close to you, and they may react very badly. But the truth will last forever. Some of you kids need to tell your parents that you've lied and they, you may get grounded. Some of you at school may have to confess that you've been lying and cheating and you may get a failed grade. You may get kicked out of school, but truth will last forever. The second thing about reasons why we should tell the truth is truth brings delight to God. Proverbs twelve twenty two. We already saw that lying lips, what are they? Abomination. He hates lying lips, but those who act faithfully are his delight. God delights in those who are faithful to the truth because they are in line with his character. So sometimes you have to tell the truth to be in line with God's character, and when you tell the truth, someone else may get mad at you, but God will delight in it. If you've ever been in a relationship and they don't want you to tell the truth, they like to conceal the wrongdoing They may get mad at you for telling the truth, but God delights in the truth. And you know we all have those situations where if you speak the truth, someone may get really mad, but God will delight. And the last reason for telling the truth is truth can heal relationships. Truth can heal relationships. And that's Proverbs 14.25. A truthful witness saves lives. So as a truthful witness could go into a courtroom situation and speak the truth that can lead to healing, so you and I can start to speak the truth in our relationships and lead to healing. If you have been hiding and concealing the truth, whatever it looks like, if you have been hiding and sneaking sexually, if you've been hiding and sneaking whatever it may be, from money to food to words to a secret life, whatever it is, you will find that as you start to confess and walk in the truth, you will find healing start to begin. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard at first, but healing can start to happen in your relationships with other people where your lies have hurt them. And I don't suspect that some of you come in here with these huge, massive lies. Some of you may, but it just may be this little pattern of the little dishonesties that are just kind of building up, and they're corroding your character, they're corroding your relationships, and they're corroding your relationship with God. And what we want to be is we want to get to a point where we are speaking the truth automatically. Right now, You are breathing, for the most part. I can see. You're all breathing. Some of you are sleeping. You're still breathing. What if truth came out of our mouth, just like breath? 
Did you know the Bible, if we had some time to go through some more verses, actually speaks that way? It says that they were breathing out truth or they were breathing out lies, that deep down within our hearts is the truth or the lies that's corrupting us, and that is going to come out of our mouths. So we want to get to the point where it's just part of our character where we're going to breathe out truth. Someone asks us a question, it's going to be a truthful response. Situation comes up, it's going to be truthful. It's like we want to, bam, just like breath, automatically we're going to speak the truth no matter what. And you're going to be tested, and there's going to be tension. It may happen today. It may happen this week. It's going to probably happen in instances where you don't even think of, and it's going to come up, and you're going to have the opportunity, truth or lie. And may your breath come out of truth. I'm telling you, it's going to happen when you do not expect it. For example, Friday night, I went with my family to the library, and I knew going to the library before I even showed up that I was going to have to pay a fine. I'm not just talking about a little delay, your book is overdue fine. I'm talking about we checked out a Power Ranger DVD with three DVDs, and somehow only two were in there. Where did it go? I do not know. It's probably hidden somewhere in our house. So I knew that I had to pay a fine on buying the whole DVD set, 25 bucks. You ever paid a $25 fine at the library? I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So I walk up to the front desk. I'm here to pay my fine. She shows me the computer screen. She says, it's paid. Now, I believe in the gospel, and that's what I want God to say one day. It's paid. <laughs> but I know I didn't pay that fine. My wife didn't pay it, and my kids certainly didn't pay it. <laughs> now, what did I breathe out? Well, I knew I was preaching today <laughs> on truth and lies. So I told the lady, okay, I'll pay it. And it's going to be situations like that. They're going to catch you off guard. What's going to come out? And you're going to get those chances over and over and over again. And sometimes we're going to blow it. And we say, God, please forgive me. May I speak the truth next time? May I make it up some way and bring in the truth? But we want God's truth so much in our hearts we want to be in prayer, let the Spirit convict us, and we want others to speak truth so that when we do come to those situations, we breathe out the truth for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you offer forgiveness to, to us, to me, to my brothers and sisters, because we, we really have lied at different times. Maybe this past week we've lied to other people. We've, we've damaged our character, hurt other people, messed up our relationship with you temporarily. Lord, I just ask you to forgive us. And for those in here today, Lord, who really need to start speaking the truth again, and it's going to be some consequences probably, I just ask that you would give them grace and love and mercy to speak the truth. Maybe they need to call somebody. Maybe they need to go and deal with something today. I just ask that truth would come out, regardless of the consequences. 
and that you would start to heal us, heal us from our lies, heal us from the lies that others have done to us. And may we be people of your truth because we love you and you never lie to us. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.